Good morning. Would you pray for me? Father, I pray for my brother Fred as he prepares to be your vessel, your messenger to us this morning, that you would take his time of preparation and multiply it, that you would calm his spirit, that you would clear his spirit to hear your Holy Spirit speaking through him to us that he would be an encouragement and a challenge to us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In the entry of our house, there hangs a sepia print showing the Virgin Mary with the infant Jesus in her lap. Joseph is standing by with the tools of his trade. Under the picture is written, Mary had a little lamb. No man was ever born whose purpose was more realized in his death than in his life than this man, Jesus Christ. To be certain, he lived a significant life. But let me repeat, no man was ever born whose purpose was more realized in his death than in his life than this man, Jesus Christ. This truth raises two questions. When did the new, new covenant begin, and what are the terms of that covenant? I'll try to answer both questions. But first, we need to look at John the Baptist. Open your Bibles to Luke 3, 7 to 20. I'll be quoting from today's gospel text from time to time, and it may be helpful to you to follow along. All four Gospels include some version of these words from John the Baptist, which Joel just read from Luke's Gospel. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I'm going to make a case that John the Baptist is the last of the Old Covenant prophets. That his life and ministry are not part of the New Covenant, but part of the Old. We'll begin by comparing John to some of the Old Covenant prophets. Samuel was dedicated by his mother Hannah in the service of the Lord. When he was weaned, Hannah gave Samuel to Eli the priest to be reared in the fear of God. Samuel was called by God in the night and ultimately succeeded Eli. Scripture tells us Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. And it was Samuel who anointed both Saul and David as kings over Israel. Samuel, therefore, can be said to be a bridge between the judges of Israel and Israel's kings. In much the same way, John the Baptist was dedicated by Zechariah and Elizabeth, from birth to the service of God. Elizabeth, like Hannah, was barren and conceived late in life. John became a bridge between the old covenant and the new. And as Samuel ran afoul of King Saul, so John ran afoul of Herod, who locked John up in prison. Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite confronted evil King Ahab, 
and the 450 prophets of Baal. Elijah triumphed though, by calling down fire on the offering he had prepared on Mount Carmel. He said to the people, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Likewise, John the Baptist confronted evil King Herod and the religious leaders of his day. He said to the people, do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. John, like Elijah, confronted evil and called the people to follow the Lord. Nathan the prophet rebuked King David following David's affair with Bathsheba. He confronted David with the story, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew up with him and his children. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David was angry. As the Lord lives, David said, the man who has done this deserves to die. Nathan said to David, you are that man. David acknowledged his guilt and repented of his affair with Bathsheba and the mur murder of her husband, Uriah the Hittite. Forgiven and restored, David nonetheless was aware of his sin. My sin is ever before me, he wrote in the Psalms. John the Baptist also admonished his hearers. The crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. Almost every old covenant prophet preached repentance in one way or the other. Ezekiel, for example, said through the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, repent and turn away from your idols. In like manner, John came preaching repentance. You brood of vipers, he said in the text Joel read, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Malachi prophesied, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Isaiah also prophesied, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The Gospels tell us that John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. The proverbial hair shirt 
and his restrictive diet are signs of John's asceticism, his self-denial, his prophetic lifestyle. At John's circumcision, his father Zechariah prophesied, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. John looks for all the world like the prophets of the Old Covenant. And like them, he prophesies the coming of a new covenant. Isaiah prophesied of the coming Messiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And again, Isaiah prophesied of the suffering Messiah. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And yet again Isaiah said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. You will remember that at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus stood in the synagogue at Nazareth and read this text from the scroll of Isaiah that was handed to him. Jeremiah also prophesied, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord God. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Ezekiel twice prophesied that God would give his chosen people a new heart and a new spirit, saying, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And again, Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. 
and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. John the Baptist prophesied the coming of the Messiah just like these old covenant prophets. Saying of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John knew the prophecies of the Old Covenant. He recognized Jesus as the one who would fulfill the, those prophecies, the Lamb of God who would suffer, shedding his own blood to wash away our sins. In today's gospel lesson, John says, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The idea of a threshing floor may be foreign to those who are not part of a farming community. The threshing floor was where the grain was beaten with a rod and then tossed with a winnowing fork so that the wind would blow away the lighter chaff, separating it from the kernels of wheat. Fellowship with the saints in light awaits those presented, represented by the kernels of wheat. Unquenchable fire awaits the chaff, those who reject Jesus' loving grace, who spurn his sacrifice. My Old Testament professor, Larry Hill, who just retired from serving as rector of an Anglican parish in the eastern shore of Maryland, gave us this definition of a covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties, one greater, the other lesser, written in blood with life or death consequences. Animals shed their blood to give their skins to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Animals were divided in half at the covenant made with Abraham. A ram was caught in the thicket and was sacrificed to spare the life of Isaac. Lambs were sacrificed at the Passover before the exodus from Egypt. And thousands, perhaps millions, of lambs and bulls after that. As the writer to Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Every covenant is written in blood. John the Baptist was an old covenant prophet and he prophesied of the coming of a new covenant. Behold the lamb. So when did the new covenant begin? Not until Jesus shed his blood on the cross. All that happened before the cross is under the old covenant. Without the shedding of blood, there is no covenant. Jesus, the Lamb of God, had to die on a cross to initiate the new covenant. So what are the terms of that covenant? What does the great king who initiated the covenant demand of us? What are the promises offered in return? 
What are the life and death consequences? Listen again to John the Baptist. I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Hear the terms of the covenant from the lips of Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. If we love Jesus, if we keep his commandments, he will give us the Holy Spirit. That's the deal. And again, while staying with his disciples after his resurrection, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The promise of the Father, the promise of the new covenant, is the power of the Holy Spirit that he will give to those who long for his coming. Those who witness the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost were cut to the heart, as Ezekiel prophesied, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. As Larry Hill taught us, a covenant is an agreement between two parties, one greater, the other lesser, written in blood with life and death consequences. Here is the new covenant written in the blood of Jesus Christ. You repent, you keep God's commands. He, the sovereign God of the universe, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, will give you the Holy Spirit. Those are the terms of the new covenant. One thing remains, the life or death consequences. If we do not repent, if we do not keep his commandments, there is an unquenchable fire. But let's not close on that note. Beloved, we are nine days from the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. When angels sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Nine days from the celebration of the God of the universe coming among us in the person of his son, to die on a cross, to establish a new covenant in his blood. 
Today's gospel lesson looks beyond Jesus' first coming to the promise of his second coming when he shall separate the wheat from the chaff. Will you repent and enter into the new covenant written in the blood of his cross? Will you turn from sin and be reconciled to the Father? Will you receive the Holy Spirit? The promise is for you and for your children. It is a new covenant in his blood. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.